Hi again, everyone. Thanks for listening to Management Decisions on LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma, and on today's show, we're discussing ways to make sure your human resources professionals stay out of the headlines for poor behavior or practices. Joining LJN Radio to talk about this subject is Heather Nelson. She's a partner at People Results and an individual with over 14 years' experience designing and implementing human resources programs. Heather, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, before we get into some of the ways in which human resources professionals can really look to avoid those negative headlines, uh, you know, stay out of the newspaper or online in a lot of cases, what would you say, first of all, are the most important goals of a successful HR individual or department as a whole? Tim, with the type of business I'm in, we work with executives and business to bring about change. So I think one of the top and most important goals for an HR person or organization is to effect change for their business. And when businesses are successful, when they're getting into new markets or offering new and innovative products, that's where I feel like HR needs to be involved and almost be the HR version of that. Thinking about where is my organization going? What does it need from me? Mm -hmm. How do I help it get there? What then would you say are some of the key traits or skills, personalities that you think people in these positions really do need if they want to be successful and achieve those goals you're talking about? There's two of them that come to mind. The first one is business acumen. Okay. Knowing how the business you're in makes money. Top line, where does your revenue come from? Understanding you know, how your company makes money. Bottom line, understanding what some of the organization's biggest costs are and how do you as an HR professional help the organization manage to keep those costs in check. On relationship building, and I think back on um, my career in HR mm-hmm. and people in HR with whom I work, I don't see them being successful working in a vacuum. HR's success really comes through the actions of other people and, and other functions in the organization, you know, the leaders, the managers, the supervisors. And so those relationships that HR builds with, with those people are critical to accomplishing their goals. Another area that I saw you mention uh, in an article was the idea of integrity and being uh, an important and vital part. Can you describe to you, first of all, why integrity is so important and then how you describe it, especially as we're trying to relate it to the idea of HR? I think you must have been a fly on the wall this week in a, in a leadership <laughs> class I was leading because I was working with a group of executives and they were talking a lot about integrity, what it means to them you know, how it's important to them. Mm -hmm. There's so many different definitions of integrity. If you were to ask, you know, five people, you'd probably get five different definitions. In fact, with this group, what I heard from them is five different things. I heard honesty. Integrity is telling the truth even when when it's hard to tell the truth. It's follow through. It's doing what you say you're going to do. It's following the laws. It's being, you know, that, that good citizen who adheres to the laws or the standards in your organization or community. It's doing the right thing even when no one else is watching. So doing the right thing because it is the right thing. And the last definition I heard was, you know, you know it when you see it and you know it when it's not there. Hmm. I think integrity is important because it brings about consistency. Mm-hmm. As an executive, if you have integrity and you act with integrity, then people know what they can expect from you. They know how you will act in situations and they know how you want them to act. And your team knows you know, just how you're going to respond and, and what you value. And that helps build trust. 
when you act with integrity and you act consistently, your team sees they can trust you to act upon their on your values and, you know, in difficult times or, or even in easy times. Sure. One of those scenarios where integrity might come up, and uh, again, I think it was a story that you had brought up in terms of uh, you know negative publicity. What happens or what do you do if colleagues are talking negatively about someone in the organization, or maybe it's a, even a job candidate, because obviously HR having a role in that. Uh, if you're talking integrity, what can you do? What should you do in those types of situations? Well, first of all, I think as an organization, you need to put these kinds of situations in front of people in a training scenario. And you okay. need to have them kind of plan, how are you going to handle this? When you overhear that conversation or you hear that employee say something negatively about their colleague, you have a choice on how you want to respond. You can ignore it or you can say something. So you need to prepare employees for how are they going to act in those moments of choice. Mm-hmm. I think it's important if I think about an HR executive, because lots of times people look to HR to address these situations. Right. I don't always think that it's HR's responsibility. I think it's an executive or a leader's responsibility. But I think HR in particular needs to be really, really careful not to come across as what I would call school marmish. So you can't try to discount the, the scenario and almost kind of step in as a leader and, and put a stop to it. So a couple of things that I think any executive or any leader can do is Appeal to, you know, the people who, who are there listening to that negative conversation about a candidate or um, a colleague. Appeal to the people's professionalism. One example is just saying, hey, guys, we have a lot to do here. Let's keep this discussion focused on the, you know, the skills needed for this job right. and how this candidate's qualifications match up. So redirect the conversation. Another way I've seen people successfully handle this this doesn't work all the time, but it could work depending on the situation, is to try some humor. Hmm. Whoa, what you said was kind of harsh there. Kind of makes me wonder what you say about me when I'm not around. (laughs) And sometimes that might just be enough to get somebody to check their own behavior. And then the last thing, when one of those doesn't work, is to, you know, respectfully let the person see, help the person see the impact of their behavior of talking negatively about somebody. Sure. So, for example, that is describing the behavior, describing the impact, and then requesting that they take action to stop it. So that would sound something in this situation like, when you talk about so-and-so in that way, I'm afraid the team's not going to see you as objective. And that can make them hard, that that can make it hard for them to trust us. Sure. Please stop talking negatively about so-and-so. So describing the behavior, describing the impact, and requesting that they change. Bottom line is you have to handle that situation with respect. Right. You have to handle it with respect. If you don't, then you're not any better than the person who is um, talking negatively about their colleague. Fair point there, and definitely some good tips for people who might be in that situation or have heard uh, similar type scenarios that they can go to this for some ideas and suggestions. I think some some good talking points there as well for people who might, as you said, maybe they need to go through some training when it comes to these situations. Another thing that you had wrote about, um, you'd mentioned that you had heard someone speaking, I believe, and they uh, they mentioned that people often do unethical things 
only once they talk themselves into it. So it's not necessarily top of mind, but that you convince, you reason with yourself and, and say, oh, yeah, it's going to be fine. Can you maybe explain that a bit more and then also let the HR professionals know out there how they can avoid doing that exactly? Yeah, that's a great question. When I heard this described, it was a few years after the Enron situation. Okay. And for your listeners, that was when a lot of executives, both at a company and a, and a vendor supporting that company, you know, all decided to follow the same course of action that was not ethical and was, in some cases, illegal, but because it created a great business result for Enron. Mm-hmm. And um, in that case, a lot of groupthink came into it. They all talked themselves into it that this was a, this was a good idea. And when I think about how this applies to just kind of those micro decisions or those micro situations that we're all faced with, where we have, we have a choice. We take, do we take road A? Do we take road B? In a lot of scenarios, it won't always be clear whether there is um, a more ethical approach to take. Hmm. So for example, if you're in a company and you've got a vendor who's been put under investigation, maybe that vendor, they're helping build a system for you or they're helping do something to support your business. And you've just heard they're under investigation because they were bribing, you know, they're, they're being suspected of bribing officials in another company, in another mm-hmm. country. Part of that, that decision that you have to make is, well, you know, it's just an investigation. We don't want to judge them early. We don't want to, it doesn't involve us. So you can kind of talk yourself into whether you continue to work with that vendor or put your relationship with that vendor on hold based on how you, how that inner voice talks to you about the whole scenario. Mm-hmm. I think the best way to avoid kind of going down an unethical path in those times when it's not always clear, those gray areas, is first of all, have a trusted advisor. Have a colleague who's like the voice on your shoulder who you can go to and will say, will help you look at that situation from a different perspective. Even better, have that colleague or that trusted advisor or somebody outside of HR Hmm. who is going to look at that scenario with a different perspective. Sure. And another example of what you can do is you can go kind of run your decision or run your thinking through what's called an ethical decision-making model. And there's lots of examples down on the internet of those. And what it will do is it'll ask you a couple of questions about what you're trying to decide that maybe you're not asking yourself. So who benefits if you take this course of action? What could be the worst thing that could happen? What could potentially go wrong with your decision? And how do you explain your decision to whomever, you know, pick somebody that was in, that was in the article I wrote. And that, again, just provides a different perspective and a different lens through which to, to look at your, your decision. And then the last thing I think is take time. Too often, you know, we get pressured into making decisions quickly. And if somebody is pressuring you to make a decision quickly or immediately, that even is there is probably a red flag that you need to stop and slow down and, and right. look at it very carefully. And, and I always tell people, you know, set aside time to, Talk to your trusted advisor, write out your thinking and your approach, and push back on the business if they're rushing you for a decision and let them know, no, we need to we need to take some time here. A part of this, and you alluded to it a little bit when we're talking about ethics, 
Is that something that you see developed through company culture and that maybe it's a top-down sort of idea that, as you mentioned with Enron, things were sort of run this way and you just continue doing that and, and nothing changes. Do you see that as being sort of the, uh, the spark or the catalyst for what often happens when you're talking about unethical behavior? I think it can be. I think ethical behavior and company culture are very closely linked. Mm-hmm. And those two feed off each other and reinforce each other. And so they do that positively by helping give people some guidance and some guardrails based on what they see in the culture, but they also do that negatively by perhaps giving people the idea that they don't need to adhere to certain guardrails or those guardrails are wider than they probably realistically are. To build a company culture, you need to have somebody who's willing to stand up and say, this is what we want to be and this is how we are going to act to be that way. Right. A good friend of mine once described your company culture as It's really determined by the behaviors that are sanctioned, whether they're explicitly sanctioned or inexplicitly sanctioned. Hmm. So you can go say, go act this way. This is what we expect. And that will drive your culture. Or you can just act in a certain way and not tell anybody why you're doing that. And that's going to drive your culture as well. We are getting a little low on time, but I wanted to get your opinion on the type of relationship that HR individuals have with lawyers for the company. I think a lot of people sometimes can get confused or be unsure as to the roles of those separate entities and how they might work together or how they might not necessarily work together. What do you suggest or what do you point out as being the relationship between HR professionals and company lawyers? Well, I think they both work together to look out for the fiduciary responsibility of the company. They need to, HR and the legal team need to work together to minimize risk to the company. That requires a lot of trust between the two. Mm -hmm. The legal team needs to trust that HR kind of values their professional and their legal advice and, and opinions. And the legal team needs to respect that, that HR is going to take action on the legal opinions and and advice that that legal gives. I think that the experience I've seen is that legal, usually they want to maintain a a certain relationship with the business and the business executives based on the standards of the legal profession. Hmm. So it took me a while to realize that the legal advisors I was working with, they were acting a certain way because it went back to helping manage the risk of that company. Right. So they would give advice to an executive and always say, you know, it's really up to you how you want to act. This is what we would recommend based on, you know, what is in the company's best interest. And HR needs to understand that because lots of times it will fall to HR to go then kind of take action and ensure the follow through with that executive team on the advice that the legal guys gave. Well, Heather, I think you definitely gave our listeners some excellent insight and some really good practical examples, too, of how they might be able to handle certain situations and just the relationship that is involved either with the company, with employees, or even with the attorneys in some cases. So thank you for coming on and sharing your experience with us. Thank you for having me, Tim. That will do it for us here on Management Decisions. Again, we are speaking with Heather Nelson, a partner at People Results and a human resources professional with a ton of experience. And we are happy to have her on to discuss this subject of keeping out of the headlines when you are in the HR world. 
If you'd like to get in touch with us about this show or any of our episodes, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. And please check out all of our shows on iTunes. You can just search LJN Radio and it'll pop right up for you. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. Later.